My name is Pastor Daniel, and at this part of our worship service, we get to open up the Holy Bible, the scriptures that God has preserved for us, and hopefully we open up our hearts and our minds to be transformed as God's Holy Spirit works together with His Word to see our lives transformed. And I'm a little sad today, so this is our last sermon, series, last sermon in the marriage series, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I think maybe even last week as we talked about singleness, it was maybe one of my favorite messages. We don't hear a lot about singleness. But we've learned in our marriage series already, the first February Sunday, we learned from Pastor Larry that our marriages have been redeemed. God has redeemed them through Christ. And then the, the second week, we learned that marriage is a covenant that God has given us, and it's a covenant of grace. And then last week, we saw that singleness, yes, singleness, and marriage are both gifts from God to be used for His glory. Today, instead of having a positive-sounding messages, like uh, K-Love, if you will, this one sounds kind of off-putting. Selfishness is the death knell of marriage. I've been trying all week to change the title of this, but I can't for some reason. I really want us to feel the weight of what selfishness does to our relationships. A death knell is... In, in ancient cultures, when someone had passed away, the church bell would ring and it would signify that someone had died. And how many times it rang and when it rang depended on many different circumstances, but one thing was for certain, someone had died. In the same way, selfishness is certain to lead to the demise of our marriages. Selfishness is certain to lead to the destruction of any healthy relationship. Fortunately, that's not the end of the story, because God has a redeeming plan for that. When marriages die through divorce, I haven't found any other reason outside of selfishness and pride that the reason for that marriage failing has... I found no other reason besides that. It comes down to this. When a person is living to fulfill their own desires at the expense of another person, then we are living a selfish life. We are looking at marriage as a me-centered relationship, and it will absolutely kill the relationship. So for our marriages to thrive, there has to be a shift in the way we think. No longer should we look at our spouse as someone who is there to meet our needs and our desires, but we shift and we change into where we look to our spouse as someone that we can serve God through. Someone that we can help build up. Someone that we can encourage and that we can help become their glorious future selves. And I'm going to plug this book again. If I don't get any kickback from this, but Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, I've read several marriage books. Doesn't mean I'm an expert. I think if you read five books, you're supposed to be an expert. So technically I am, but I'm not. I still have a lot to learn. But this is the fourth time I've read this book. I'm going through it for the fourth time. And it keeps teaching me wonderful truths about how wonderful marriage is, and about how deceptive my heart can be. So please, if you're single, get the book. If you're married, get the book. And read it four times. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 today. And if you are... If you've been here the last few weeks, you saw last uh, two weeks ago where we looked at marriage, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. 
And Paul talked about marriage, and he's talked about wives submitting. And many times we look to these scriptures and we get distracted quickly because it usually leads to a discussion that may be quite uncomfortable. What do you mean wives submit? What do you mean the husband is the head of the wife? And unfortunately, the, the Bible gets a bad rap a lot of times because a lot of times we go to the Bible with questions and we, we rip stuff from it to satisfy what the answer that we're seeking. And so a lot of times people take the Word of God and they twist it. But if this is a letter, Ephesians is a letter, Paul wrote this letter. Chapter 5 is, he didn't write in chapters, he wrote a, a continuous letter. Chapter 5 is toward the end. And so it's wrong of us to jump in toward the end of a letter and just rip something out and say, okay, this is what this means. Paul said something that led up to that. And so we're going to jump back a little bit before he gets to the wife submit part, and we're going to see how selfishness can be rid. You can rid your marriages and your relationships of selfishness through this one thing. Before Paul ever wrote about marriage, before he ever talked about the mystery of Christ, he said these things. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, we'll start there. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be fools, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's something that we're going to look at more tonight. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul speaks of marriage after he gives this command to be filled with the Spirit. So before he ever talks about a wife submitting or a husband being the head of the wife, he assumes that these two people are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the, the marks of the, the Spirit's fullness or having a, a life full of the Spirit are, in verse 19, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That doesn't mean when I talk to you, Angela, I need to always be singing. But it's encouraging me that it will change the way I think. When I'm, when I'm talking to you, I'm going to be more God-centered in my conversations with you. And then it does say singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You ever just been alone and just saying to the Lord? Just praise Him for His goodness? And then it goes on, it says giving thanks always for everything. Giving thanks how many times or when? Always. For the blessings, right? Oh, wait, sorry, for everything. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, he says, submit to one another. He talks about submission. Now, submission is the loss of pride and self-will that leads us to humbly serve others. It's the loss of pride within me and the self-will, me wanting what me wants, and now wanting what is best for them. What Paul said about marriage assumed that when he gave instructions to the wife, and he gave instructions to the, to the husband, that they were filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means to live a life of joy. 
Some of you look really joyful right now. Others, not so much. I haven't felt joyful the last day. I felt a little puny. And as I was writing this down and reading through it today, I was thinking, man, I don't really feel spirit-filled right now. So what do I need to do? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. Being spirit-filled is is living a life of joy and peace where the greatness of God and His majesty and His glory are not just doctrinal statements that we confess or we believe, but they become very real to us in our hearts and it changes who we are. And our inner lives learn to sing the praises of God. And the reason being spirit-filled is necessary for marriage is because that kind of worship That kind of worship of God with all our whole heart is the only thing that our souls were meant to be fed by. My soul was not designed to be fed by my wife. My soul is designed to be fed by God. So when we look to our spouse or a significant other or whoever to be that fulfillment for us, we are putting them in an impossible situation. We're being unfair to them. And we're setting ourselves up also for failure because they will never live up to that standard. In Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, Paul talks about not living for ourselves, but for others. He says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. You see, selfishness is the death knell of marriage, and it is the opposite of serving. It is the opposite of sacrifice, and it is the opposite of love. Paul talked about love in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, and he says this in verse 4. He said, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Selfishness makes you blind to yourself. It makes you blind to your own flaws, and it guess what it does to others' flaws? It magnifies them. You become hypersensitive toward their flaws. You suffer from anger and self-pity. But see, the gospel makes you happy enough to be humble. The gospel makes you happy, happy enough to be humble because you're filled with the Spirit of God now. You're not looking outward to find this fulfillment for your soul, but you have it through God. And now you're able to be generous to others even when they're not serving you. Even when they're being stinking selfish, you're okay because you're full of God's Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit of God is is the key to marriage. Otherwise, you're going to be filled with self and your marriage, your relationship will be doomed. It's also the key to a happy marriage. Because when we learn to serve our spouse and put their needs before our own, guess what? We actually become more happy. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, when we are living 
When Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, we are living as a, li- a life that is filled with the Spirit of God. We will be lacking nothing. Can you say nothing? Nothing. We will be lacking nothing. We will have everything that we want. And so go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. How do we live this Spirit-filled life? He says, submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. Now, the word reverence here is translated fear in other translations, but neither one of those words accurately on their own, or on their own, accurately convey what the the Greek word is saying here. So reverence doesn't mean uh, it's not big enough, and fear leads us to the wrong conclusions. He's not saying that you should fear Christ like, oh, there's Jesus. It's not that type of being scared and afraid, but it implies a relationship with Him, a connectedness with Him. You're not scared, but you're overwhelmed by Him. You are controlled by Him. You think about the, the verse when it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a correlation there. When you have too much wine and you're drunk, you are controlled by this substance, and you do things you wouldn't normally do. In the same regard, when you are full of God's Spirit and you're controlled by Him, you'll do things you wouldn't do, but those are the things you could talk about the next day, and you'll be happy about. You'll do things differently. You'll be a different person. But if you're driving force, if you're being controlled by your desire for success, if you're being controlled by your desire to prove your parents were wrong and that you can do what they said you couldn't do, or if you're just trying to prove to them that that you're a good son or daughter, if you're driving forces that you want respect from your peers, maybe you're driving forces anger. Maybe you're just angry at the the hand that God has dealt you in your life. If any of these are controlling you rather than God's love for you through Christ, then you will not be in a position to love anyone else selflessly, sacrificially. You will only use them. But there's good news. God's given you healing through Jesus. Let's look back in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read, read through it again. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 21. How do, we become filled with, how do we become filled with this Spirit? Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now earlier I went through this and I said these are the fruits of being filled with the Spirit, that you'll speak to one another differently, that you'll be singing an inner song of praise to God, that you'll be submitting to one another. Well, guess what? Those are fruits of the Spirit, but these are also the ways that we become filled by the Spirit. This is how we become filled by the Spirit. Speaking words of God to one another. Receiving those words of God. Singing with one another. You can sing to one another too if you want. 
singing to God alone when you're by yourself and praising Him. He will fill you with His Spirit. He will replace self and bring spirit and giving thanks to God always for everything because God is now becoming the central focus of your life instead of focusing on yourselves. Unfortunately, maybe you are like me in some ways and we don't want to bless others with God's Word because we don't feel like it. I'm having a bad day. I don't really feel like singing to God right now. I don't feel thankful. So I'm not going to thank Him, and I don't feel like singing because, well, today stinks. And sometimes I like to ask this as integrity. You know, I'm not going to do it if it doesn't feel right. Unfortunately, I may be masking it as integrity by saying I'm not going to be a phony or a hypocrite. But if the truth be told, I'm not walking in integrity in that moment. I'm walking in selfishness. I'm not walking in integrity. I'm walking in selfishness. But in those moments, if we will call a time out, and we will get away, and we will do these things, we will thank God, we will sing to Him, we will immerse ourselves in His Word, then the Spirit of God will move in our hearts and He will bring healing to our soul. He will bring victory over selfishness. And Christ will become the center focus of our lives again. And in those moments, ourselves, our self, our inward person will become satisfied because we are drinking living water instead of the kind of water that will make us thirsty again and again. So selfishness is the death knell of marriage. I want you to know that. We all struggle with it. We all struggle with somehow wanting our way instead of someone else's. And there's only one way to rid our hearts of this curse that sin has brought upon us. And the only way is for us to be filled with the Spirit of God. For us to be emptied of ourselves and to die to ourselves. I'm not even talking about just saying, I want you to be a better person. Actually, I want you to die to yourself and say, not my will be done, but God's will be done in my life. And I want to be filled with the living Spirit of God. And I want to have the life and the joy and the peace that comes from knowing Him so that I can be the agent of life and the agent of joy and the agent of peace in my marriage so that I don't look to my spouse to be my ultimate fulfillment because I have that fulfillment in Christ. And now I can see my spouse as God, in, God sees them, as a way for me to serve Him, to love Him, and to build them up for His glory. Live the Spirit-filled life. God has given us the power to kill selfishness through His Holy Spirit living within us. Now that's good news. That's fantastic news. So the final statement I want to leave with you is this. Instead of the church bells ringing to signify the death of your marriage, how about having them ring to inform the world that our selfishness has died on the cross with Jesus and that we are fully satisfied and that we are filled with the love of God? Let the world hear the death knell of selfishness through the church of Jesus Christ. May we not be guilty of saying, my will be done, but may we truthfully, in our heads and in our hearts, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, may we truthfully say, 
God's will be done in my life and in my marriage and in all my relationships. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who is living, who is active, and who is here with us tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to fully diagnose the selfishness in our lives. And I know that you use other people to help us see those blind spots. And so I pray that you would lower our resistance to uh, wanting anyone to speak into our lives, that we would desire to become less like us and more like Jesus in our life. Draw us closer to you for the glory of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Daniel. Now we have the opportunity to respond to God. The beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is, just as Daniel said, the death knell has rung. Your old self is what died. Romans chapter 6 says, What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died still live in sin? So now, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. The four weeks of this marriage series ends tonight. And as we've all learned, this wasn't just a series about marriage, it was a series about relationships. And so tonight the response time is very simple. With the idea and the concept and the ringing in your ears of the death knell, respond how God has called you to live in sin and death no more. Live in the reigning power of Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross so that your selfishness does not enslave you any longer. Know and experience the forgiveness of Jesus, which is what unshackles those chains and brings freedom to your relationships, in marriage, at the office, with your siblings or your parents with your enemies and with your friends. This altar will be open. There are prayer pads that you can come and kneel. Lay down at the altar the sins of selfishness in your life that Christ has already died for, knowing you would commit them. I'll be standing up here. Winter will be standing with me. If you would like someone to pray for or with you, we would love to do that. If you're here tonight, And hearing that your sin has been died for and you have life is a new thing, we would love to explain to you how the gospel can bring forgiveness and freedom to your life through Jesus Christ by salvation. However God is calling you to respond now, I challenge you in this last song of this marriage series to get it done tonight. Lay down your selfishness. Lay down your pride as we stand and as we sing. Stand with us as Angela leads us in this song and respond as God has called you tonight.